The fact that your loved ones may worry about your spiritual safety as you venture into areas that they don't understand. And I think that's the most important context is that sometimes we fear what we don't understand. And it's not that it's innately positive or negative. It's just that we don't understand. Therefore, we are already labeled it bad. There comes a time on your soul journey where you are called home to your true self. In answering this call, you are part of a powerful collective shift towards deeper understanding and expansion. You are part of something bigger than yourself. You are in the stage of growth known as enlightenedhood. I'm Lena Lemos, your host and founder of House of Enlightenedhood. I'm here to help you heal and remember the depths of your soul as you step into who you were always meant to be. Spirituality should be as simple as coming home to yourself and tuning into your heart. And on this podcast, I provide you with channeled wisdom and tangible tools to incorporate into your soul exploration. If you're inspired by today's episode, please leave a review, subscribe to the show, and share this episode on Instagram. I am so grateful that you're here. Hello, you beautiful souls, and happy Monday. If I sound a little different to you in this intro, it is because I have a new setup and a new mic and getting ready to hit the ground running with a bunch of new content for House of Enlightenedhood. But getting this season of the podcast done, there will be four or five more episodes in this season before we wrap up for season three. And it's just been overwhelming doing all the things, I'm sure, as so many of you can relate in this year where we've had to do all of the things in our little bubble. And on top of that, I'm just going through such a deep healing period. I'm also doing a zeolite detox. And for any of you who have done any kind of long-term detox to kind of flush your system of parasites or heavy metals, you know what it's like when the really fun stuff inside your body starts to die off. And I'm just going to say it's not fun. (laughs) And it kind of leads me to what I want to share with you because Sometimes it can be really easy to get into the narrative that we're moving backwards or, you know, we've regressed in our healing or in our spiritual growth. And I want to remind you, if you're showing up, if you're putting in the work, if you are trying to cultivate love and presence and conscious decisions, yet it feels like you're going backwards, that is a part of the healing. You are absolutely moving forwards. It's just we have these really uncomfortable transitions of growth where part of us is in the new version, part of us is in the old version. And as things start to peel away, as things start to shed, we go through this really rocky period. That's a roller coaster where we feel like we've, you know, regressed, gotten worse. But in reality, we're just in this transition period where we don't have our full footing in this new version of ourself. So I just want to remind you, if you feel like that right now, You are growing, you are evolving. You just can't see the tangible change at this very moment. 
On today's episode, I am talking to my dear friend, Marilise Candelario, who is a Latina mama of two, an HR professional and motherhood advocate. She created Mari Vega LLC as a platform that serves women and aspires to promote a social justice movement for American parents. Marilise is on a mission to support women in tapping into their intuition so they can nurture their entire selves and experience motherhood with confidence. Her personal and professional experiences evoke a deep sense of advocacy to voice the vulnerabilities of womanhood and parenthood. As an author, coach, speaker, and podcaster, Marilise gives voice to the raw, vulnerable truths of motherhood and offers coaching and support for breastfeeding and VBAC mamas. On today's episode, we are talking about not just spirituality misconceptions, but all the unlearning that has to happen with the way that we're raised, the way that we're indoctrinated by religion, by our society, the way we're taught to be good and quiet, the things that we're taught about spirituality and our own power. And we're also talking about something that I have just recently, you know, become so so passionate about in the spiritual narrative, which is normalizing our wounds, normalizing the pain of the human experience that roots us and that grounds us. And I love having organic conversations like this. And it just goes to show how we are so very much part of a collective when we can all come to these very similar destinations and realizations while being on such different paths. So this conversation and so much more will be right after this. One of the biggest reasons I began to tiptoe out of the spiritual closet was I felt so lonely. I didn't have anyone in my life to discuss these soul level changes that happened when motherhood reawakened me. And that's why I feel so passionate about community and the ways finding soul family can forever change us. If you're looking to find your people and discover spiritual wisdom and guidance in a safe and private space that is off of social media, we invite you to join our free community, The Garden. It's time to grow with us at garden.enlightenedhood.com or text GARDEN to 31996 for the link sent straight to your phone. Can't wait to see you inside. Since the time that we first spoke, that so much has changed for both of us. I know. Yes. And it's been beautiful to watch you step into your power because I think when we first spoke, you were all about birth and being a VBAC unicorn. While that is still entirely true, but you've also <laughs> stepped into this truth of I'm a healer and I'm a leader. And I just have to tell you that it's been so beautiful to watch. Thank you so much. Like, that's exactly how I feel about you. So it's like so cute. (laughs) But, you know, I think there's so much stigma around titles. Yes. Right. Um, And at the end of the day, I really stopped caring about a title. Mm. And I really started focusing on what it is that people see me as when I, when I give them service, when I'm at my highest power and, you know, people are coming to me with their vulnerabilities because they see me express mine. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, I'm uncomfortable with all types of titles, but the reality is if people are coming to you for some sort of healing, 
it doesn't have to be what maybe you've been taught growing up healing is yes. or isn't. Yes. It can just be what you your natural talents are and yeah. not get caught up on titles. I have goosebumps from that. And I think it's so true because we've, especially just in the, the, the world of spirituality, we assume that, that healing is, oh, you're going to sit like at this campfire and have this shaman or this energy healer, like wave their arms over your head and maybe like spritz (laughs) some stuff on you. you. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the amount of people that thought my full moon circle was going to be some like witch magic voodoo drug infested experience is intense. Like (laughs) the fact that I was offering tea because it was a cold Halloween night, not because I was putting something in the tea. People were like, okay, is this tea? um, Is there something in the tea? (laughs) Like like what? I, and it's just, it goes to show you where people's minds are at, right? Yeah. I mean, like, um, at at one point in, so I hosted this full moon release circle on Halloween this year. And the reason that I did that was because actually exactly one year ago, I was hosting my first full moon mommy and me circle um, at this small shop, very much hiding in someone else's shadow. Mm. And... I had about five people come out. And then this year I had about 15 people come out. And, you know, I think people also, I think the reason I share the numbers is because I could easily say I tripled the amount of attendance, right? It makes you think it was 50 people or something, or 100 people, or Mm -hmm. leave it up to your interpretation. But I think people need to realize, like, you know, it's all in the small growth and the small wins and the keep going um, mentality that I think people skip through like the healing is in the small moments. It's in the in-between. Like the growth is in the space where you don't know what you're doing. It's not like it's a download and that's it. You never need to, you know, question yourself again. And at the circle, I had to really walk in there knowing that people were going to come with their predisposed ideas of what it meant to be around a campfire with women in a circle howling at the moon and (laughs) dancing energy out of our bodies, you know, like it sounds so crazy, but is it crazy? Like, I don't think when you actually take away all the like woo woo stuff, like this is what our ancestors did, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it is. And it's something that we've become so disconnected to, to the fact that we think it's silly and woo woo when really it's this innate wisdom and this ancient wisdom that exists within all of us. And not only does it exist within all of us, but it is what unites women. Yes. Um, It is what reminds us that we were the ones who brought life to the world and people were, um, just in awe of our abilities to bring a soul to earth, like the earth side, you know, Mm -hmm. like that is how people used to speak about women before they understood what was actually happening and that we were actually, you know, um, getting pregnant uh, through sexual intercourse. People didn't know that innately back in the day. Um, So when you really start to study and you really start to question, um, just question where you 
where all your beliefs stem from. And then once you recognize that a lot of the things around religion and spirituality have just been taught to us mm-hmm. and you, you look further, you start to really kind of just realize that, like it's going to, it's going to be a big shift and it's going to be a lot of confusion and you have to look within yourself to see what feels good. Yeah. I love so much that you said that that growth, it happens in those small moments when you don't know what you're doing, because I think that's, that's just, first of all, mic drop right there. Like, I think we're done. I, that's, I mean, <laughs> but it's so true. And pairing that with the idea of what we know spirituality be, what we think we have to have a label or a title or certain credentials as a spiritual being I think we can both agree that that's kind of where all this misconfusion comes from and what that is that like huge roadblock to actually showing up and doing the work and what is really at the true intention and the true magic of what a spiritual practice can bring you. Yeah, it brings me a lot. And and interestingly enough, what happens is the fear of what our family believes or the fear of dealing with bad energy and bad spirits and what if I call upon some bad black magic on me well you have to ask yourself where do you why do you superstitiously think that's what would happen if you're not calling something bad to happen to you why do you think bad things are going to happen to you again because you've been taught that there's the idea of heaven and hell and I don't know if you've watched the movie The Gloria. No. It's on Prime. It's on Prime right now. It's about, it's about Gloria Simon's life and basically the feminist movement. Mm. And she does this homily at a church. And it's crazy that she's at a church because she's a pro-choice uh, person. And it just doesn't make sense. But she's talking at the church and she's like, when did the white uh, the white man and the white Jesus and everything become like the person that we lead when nature is, you know, it used to be that nature was in charge and there wasn't a hierarchy. It was a circle and mm-hmm. more a community. And so when you really sit down with it, you're kind of like, wow, where did we go left here? Right. Like then you get into patriarchy Ugh. and all these big words and and then it gets too overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Have you read Mary Magdalene Revealed? I haven't. So they talk about Sorry that. To add it to my list. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all about that. So it's about the lost gospel of Mary that was not yeah. included in the Bible. And it basically talks about how that idea of God exists actually within our own hearts and internally. And it's not something that lies externally, but when they had the whole meeting to decide what goes in the Bible and like what the power of the church is, they threw that part out. And all of those things actually make sense to me. (laughs) They make complete sense. Right. And I I think it's just little moments like that, where there were the idea of truth and the idea of self-sovereignty and spirituality was in the wrong person's hands. And that it's like those seemingly little moments that all add up to this, this big patriarchy mess that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it'd be interesting to share 
um, I know that we want to touch here upon <clears throat> also just different ethnic backgrounds and such. And so when we're discussing our point of view right now, it very much is a like United States upbringing point of view. Yeah. Because if you if you go into right, like and I know you grew up in, in upstate New York, right? So mm-hmm. like the the what are the names of the different like the different Native American Indians? Yeah have right they have different lands still um and they're such a small population now um and they live within like their land and it's also touched on in the Gloria's movie right that these um circles they've only ever had like male chiefs for a very long time as well Mm -hmm. um and but they're, but they're, you know, they, they are of the land and all these other beliefs. But then you look at like a lot of um, Mexican tradition and things that they do in Peru. And I don't know all the names of the circles and stuff that they do, but all of it isn't necessarily based on the idea of one God, one holy man, white man, right? I often think like if we were raised in India, I mean, we would have a totally different perspective. So I just want to be very clear that when we even talk about the idea of like representation, it's also like, well, representation of what fashion, like what's your point of view? Right. That is such a good point. And it's so true that we all have a very unique perspective within a very specific lens. Mm-hmm. And we gotta break that lens. <laughs> we have to break everybody's lens and get them some new glasses. I know, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about before: is removing those labels. But within those labels, like under each label, is very specific based on the way you were raised and what you were taught. Ideas of what that label means, whether from like spirituality, like all the way down to the very niche ideas within spirituality, whether it's energy healing or, you know, tarot cards or things that we were taught or witchcraft. There's, there's so many of those little things with so many different layers. And I think that's why, even though you and I might be called right now to step into our power as leaders in a spiritual community, it's like, there's so many different layers and complicated things within that. Yeah. And it's so easy, so easy to feel less than. Yes. And it's so easy to doubt ourselves because one of the things is like, I vividly remember this journey because I remember maybe three years ago, you would never find me, you know, saying full moon circle on my Instagram or saying the word bruja, which is which <laughs> in Spanish. Like you would never hear me say those things. Um, And then as I started to meet more women that did identify with their spirituality and then use those words, almost like when you reclaim a word, and I know a lot of marginalized groups have reclaimed certain words. So it's almost like when you feel comfortable with people calling you any of those things, you start to, that's also part of the healing and part of the Mm -hmm. overcoming is that it actually even starts with just not having inner shame with if someone does think these things about you, it almost starts there. Yeah. That's such a good point because that part, so much of bringing that power and that trust and that self-love back within has to go through that really uncomfortable kind of threshold of letting go of that shame and that judgment from others, or at least that perceived shame and judgment from others. Right. And, and, you know, (laughs) uh, white 
Catholic Christian religion is so heavily built on the idea of like love of thy, thy neighbor and all of that. But they're the first ones to judge you and say you're going to hell. So yes. It's like, like what, which one is it? You know, <laughs> all that idea ideology is so deeply rooted in our society too. So it becomes whether or not we're Catholic or whether or not we were raised in the church, the ideas like trickle down into the very way that our society was built. So there's really no escaping it. There isn't. Yep. And then, um, you know, it's interesting because, uh, Let's talk about Oracle cards for a second. Yes. Um, I guess like there's so many tools that people use um, and even Oracle cards. Like I remember I walked into a Barnes and Noble and this butterfly Oracle card deck, like just kept speaking to me. Like, I like you. I like you. I like you. Like buy me, look at me. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, when you're like, Oh, I don't judge a book by its cover, but really when you go into Barnes and Noble, it's all about the cover. Yes. <laughs> like, um, so I caught my attention. I'm like, fine, I'll bring these cards home with me. And I think I like waited a while to open them and then waited a while to look at them. And interestingly enough, the, um, the author is someone who did a lot of things, um, like from a place of religion and, and, um, this particular card that came out at my, I, I brought my original beautiful first deck to the full moon circle and I pulled a card at the end of the circle and the card was religion and spirituality. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, There's no such thing as coincidence. So if you're listening to this and you're, you can find synchronicities in your life or coincidences coincidences in your life. We're here to confirm for you, like those are your signs and there's no such thing as coincidence. And, you know, it absolutely, that card, religion and spirituality absolutely touches upon the fact that your loved ones may worry about your spiritual safety as you venture into areas that they don't understand. And I think that's the most important context is that sometimes we fear what we don't understand. And it's not that it's innately positive or negative. It's just that we don't understand. Therefore, we are already labeled it bad. Uh It's so true. And it's so much of it goes with what we've been taught and just that evoking fear and almost that the power lies externally so anything that holds even a greater external power is that part of how you were raised in catholicism that like anything that knows the future other than god is like witchcraft or not supposed to be known well you know growing up latina like the word brujeria is such a thrown around phase and i actually to this day have probably never even like looked it up and really looked it into it like santeria um is a major a, a major arm of you know this idea of witchcraft and and it being positive and negative um you know and there's certain cards like the original deck and in spanish they're called brica bricas are like the original cards that you see that have like the gold coin and like the clubs mm, yeah and if you've ever seen those like and it's actually a game you play so it's literally a game that you can pick up that you play like, like kind of like go fish. <laughs> so I remember vividly like knowing how to play this game called Brica and you play it with like tarot card cards. 
So it's a, a really big, like, your mind is like, wait a minute. Interesting. Some people use this to like read the future or something. And then I remember like I tried to bring them to like school one day and I was trying to teach people the game and everybody was like, oh my God, you're going to read my future. And I was like, what? And this is like a very cultural experience, right? Because I'm bringing a Spanish game that I played with like all my cousins in Puerto Rico and I'm bringing it with me to, to like an English American school one day. And I had no idea the context that it had in that American setting. So they're like, you're going to read our future. And I'm like, okay. And I was like playing around. And then I, I, I don't actually remember, but I think a few bad things happened. And I was like, oh my God, it's because I brought the cards to school. <laughs> so it's a sign. So, yeah. So very much like do recall feeling like you're not supposed to know the future and all these things. And, you know, not everyone knows the future, right? Like, I think that's another thing is everyone thinks like all these intuitive guidances things or things like that have to do with it being about um, the future or you knowing something or not. But a lot of the answers are intuitively within us and we just tune them out because we would prefer to be busy and mm-hmm. not listen to ourselves and go with whatever marketing is coming into our minds rather than awaken and act from intention. Yeah. And I think I love what you said about the future because that, that is another huge misconception that spirituality is all about like developing your psychic gifts in your third eye and learning to tell the future. When really to me, I would argue that it's more about healing the past and cultivating the tools and the strength you need to be fully present in the moment and that the future doesn't matter. Absolutely. Because what is the future if you're still carrying all your old trauma and baggage around? Like you're not going to get very far. Like I always had this, this poetry that I used to write about if we could look at people and see them through their baggage, not through the way they present themselves. I think it would show a different representation of the things that actually hold people back. Yeah. There's this idea in America that privilege is being white. Um, But then we start to assume that being privileged and having a mother and a father and being raised in this home is supposed to be like the American ideal. But then you meet a lot of people in college and you'll see like, whether you came from a single mom household, single father, had your parents, or your parents are divorced, whatever, we all come with baggage. Like there is no default setting that we don't come with our baggage and our traumas. Mm-hmm. And so I have this obsession with like, if we could pile everybody up instead of like what they have access to and privilege from a place of what they've healed and how much they haven't healed. It would look so different. Society would completely blow up. I love that. I love that so much. And I think it's going to take a lot of work to normalize a conversation like that and create more authentic spaces to be vulnerable and to see people in that way. And I I honestly don't know if that's something that could help happen in our lifetime or our children's lifetime, but I do really hope and I'm that's so much part of my mission is this idea that self-healing is I think the most important thing that we can do in this lifetime and in this experience and why we chose to come here in the first place let's talk about that that you just said why we chose to come here <laughs> it's the big question isn't I it just, 
Yes. I just finished Money Lives, Money Masters, right? Which talks about a psychologist in 1988 who published his book after uh, treating a client for over 18 months with everything he knew in his psychology toolkit. And then he started doing hypnosis for past life regressions Mm. and all her past lives just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And um, there are other psychologists who have also replicated this, this sample population of, you know, uh, can we validate that past life experiences have been scientifically proven? And they have been able to scientifically prove these experiences that they cannot, they cannot account for a person learning everything and then pretending that they had this life, mm-hmm. you know, because of the way that, that the, um, the past lives present themselves when people are under hypnosis. So that really blew my mind because it did validate for me, like, you know, so many times we all have a different relationship with synchronicities mm-hmm. and like deja vu moments. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but like before you were tainted with what that meant to you or not, when you were a child, like, did you ever have deja vus and what did you think about them? They were just so much a part, I think, of my reality. To me, so much of my deja vus as a kid growing up in upstate New York was like living off the land and being connected to Mother Earth. And it just innately felt part of my soul. And I never really thought twice about it. But then I think past lives kind of like your tarot cards became part of that like oh it's woo woo it's witchcraft like Mm -hmm. it's not really true but I mean I think to me I've always been a believer but it's hard when your ego and the fear and the shame of how we're raised and what we're taught is intertwined with that to be a true believer but I have had just since April my soul rememberings the things I've remembered about past lives within the last six months has been exponential and literally made my brain explode and all literally just by sitting with myself and trusting that what is coming up is true. Well, that too, right? Like we're taught so often that what we feel necessarily shouldn't be acted on because it's your imagination. Good natured, right, right. And also for good nature, right? Like, hey, have manners. That's not polite and things like that. Mm -hmm. And raising young girls, as I'm sure you are aware, we start to be extra aware of those things. So for example, you know, when I, my daughter's being like silly or loud and I'm like, be quiet. And like, she doesn't want to be quiet. Right. I'm like, well, why am I so hell bent on making her be quiet right now? Like, right. Like yeah, who taught me she needs to be a nice little quiet girl sitting down with her legs closed like let her live yeah I think about that (laughs) Um, all the time yes yes and all those things are the things that we're taught like don't do what you want to do do what you're told to do and Mm -hmm. then that's like you start to be like well how long have I been indoctrinated to do as I'm told and I'm reading your book right now so your whole chapter I have so many pages that I have like (laughs) scribbled on like ooh, I'm going to talk to her about this but like that I, you specifically write about being herded into the doctor's office, like yes. we're cattle and we're just being like measured and weighed and sent off into the you know woods until we have our baby, our calf, right? Like mm-hmm. 
it starts from there. It already starts um, being told how to eat, how much weight you can gain, um, how you can cause all these things to your body. um, and, And you need to be extra mindful and careful when to a certain extent, I feel like you really don't have control of your pregnancy and how it'll all play out. So how can you tell women, I'm going to blame you if anything goes wrong with this baby? Like, that's not true, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, so when we think about, when we start to think about what we came to this life to live, like we, whether you believe in past lives or not, astrology is like popping like astrology is literally telling you like this is what your north node is this is what you came to this lifetime to achieve and to learn and Mm -hmm. so as I've been learning more about that and getting astrological readings uh, of my of my chart and it confirms and validates everything I've ever felt in my heart I'm like how can you tell me this isn't real like Mm -hmm. I have always had an obsession with mothers always and now it's like oh yeah it's in your chart and like of course it's in my chart but it's like the human experience almost needs validation and so we just keep getting the validation until we believe it I guess was the book you're reading by Michael Newton I think so oh no Brian West Oh, because Michael Newton has a bunch too. He did something similar where he started like the first past life. He did past life regressions, but he does it going back like beyond to to our life when we're not in a human experience. Um, what's it? Journey of Souls. And it's just mind blowing. And he goes through like when we're on the other side, how we choose this lifetime, the lessons we're here to learn and all this stuff. And it, it truly transformed my idea of the human experience and my perspective of when obstacles arise. I'm like, okay, maybe I chose this. And if I chose this, what is the best, like how am I supposed to act in this moment with the highest good of this lifetime and what I came here to do? And I also think that's really relevant to, to what's happening right now as we are in the midst of chaos of the election of can we step out of that current for a second and whether or not we're elated or deeply, deeply disappointed by the results, can we detach that and return that honor and that joy to our own human experience and what we came here to learn? And maybe that on a collective level, that's true as well. Even if we like really are upset or not liking what's about to happen. I mean, everything that has happened in America in the last five years has truly just taught me um, and validated for me over and over again. The idea that while we love to say that this country builds on like meritocracy and you know, achieving certain steps in the American dream and everything. Like, I mean, the fact that Kanye West is on the ballot, like (laughs) Kanye, people, I saw something that like 10,000 people voted for Kanye in Tennessee. And I was just like, the fact that you can do that, right? It it just shows like, you you can achieve whatever you're ballsy enough to go achieve. Mm -hmm. Like, these imposed, whether they're self-imposed or imposed by where you live, how you grew up, who's around you, whatever, they're just not true. I mean, we have someone who never did a political office um, role 
in office right mm-hmm. now making terrible decisions and not being a great public speaker and not doing all the things, right? And so everything about the situation aside, that's got to show you something. Like yeah. it shows me, it shows me like I can go for whatever I want. Like I don't have to be this this polished, perfect version of what people assume you have to be to get these things. Just look at the president, right? (laughs) Like that's what that's taught me. (laughs) Um, You know, I loved what you said about like, if I just look at it as, well, what's this hurdle here for? I do the same thing. I say, this is happening for me, not to me. So this is happening for me for what? For me to remember that this isn't my journey, this is difficult for what? For me to remember that I wasn't meant to be doing this and I'm going in the wrong way mm-hmm. um, or to reinforce something about that process in, in a learning because mm-hmm. sometimes um, it's so hard to do something that people actually then hold it as their crutch, right? Like if it's too hard, it's not meant to be. Right. And that that's also true to a certain extent though. Mm-hmm. You can't also use it to hold yourself back. It's, I mean, and when we're first starting out on this path, it can be easy to use those crutches and those excuses because to break out and to grow means to push past those feelings of being uncomfortable and being raw and being vulnerable. And to many of us who have protected our hearts, who have been the herded cattle in whatever situation applies in your life that's relevant, it's hard. It's hard to break off the chains. Because we're not taught how we're not taught what to do once we do break off the chains. Like, do we just stand there? Do we run? Do we <laughs> do we jump <laughs> over the fence? I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that we could talk about that forever because, like, it's interesting to me that we tell kids like they don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, we tell them so many things about what and how to basically become members of society. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to little kids and once your daughter starts talking, you're probably going to be completely fascinated for the first year. And then the next year or two, you might be where I'm at, where it's like, can I return this? How do I take the batteries (laughs) out? How do I lower the volume? Um, But, but, the things my daughter says, like everywhere we go, she picks up rocks and she's like, this rock is so beautiful. This rock is so delicate. And it's like, you know, why not listen to that innate wisdom that our children are telling us? Mm -hmm. Because nobody has taught them that they're like, you know, we get indoctrinated. And then like you said, even if they rip off the chains, like, where are we going? What are we doing? It's like, if there were kids and we're like, where are we going? What are we doing? They would have some great ideas, yep. <laughs> likely, because they're still so close to that wisdom. And she tells me so many things that just blow me away if you just put some effort into believing them to be true instead of saying like, oh, you're a little kid. You don't know anything. Yeah. And then they uh, grow up to be us with a, a shit ton of unlearning to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think about that. I think about that. And I was having an quote unquote unlearning conversation with my father last night and it was excruciating. It was over FaceTime and it was like two hours long and um, it took like 20 to 30 minutes to get on the same page and stop arguing just to have a a conducive conversation about 
like, dad, just because your generation and your father's generation did this thing this way, I'm telling you that I would not like to repeat this pattern. So how can you and I work together to not repeat this pattern? And he was just so hell bent on like, I don't want to change. I don't necessarily see what's wrong. Like, why are you so hell bent on changing me? And when I finally got him out of that shift, it had to do with, well, your generation sees it that way. My generation sees it this way. Um, can I get you to evolve with me in, in this season of my life? And I think that's what really sparked for him. Like, you know, there's all these generations before us that they they wouldn't have gotten to this spiritual enlightenment place because they would have taken all the bad things and just numbed them with alcohol, mm. right? With, with drugs. And that's, part of why I start to feel like uh, are we as a society not able to get to a more enlightened place because when your demons show up you're so scared to numb them that you don't sit with them to understand why they're there to understand like how you said why is this happening Um, what can I learn from this what did I need to remember from this I feel like when you start to drop that to people maybe like we could start to actually see a difference yeah I think it, we have to normalize the demons, though, and that they're not bad or demons to begin with, but really just the darker parts of ourselves that are here to teach us something and here to help us evolve when we can face them with a different perspective. Absolutely. But are people Absolutely. willing? Are they willing to to do that and look in the mirror? I don't know. And that's the hard part of I think this work is that it's not up to us, even though I really want it to be up to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and that's the thing about um, what's it called? Human will, right? Like yeah. even if you do subscribe to the fact that maybe things are already written out and we're here to like live a certain life for a certain learning. Um, the thing is that you still have human will to free human free will to act on Mm -hmm. so we get in our own way sometimes and that's so hard to break out of right like we all act like we don't know how to lose 10 pounds like we don't know how to be eat healthy like we don't know how to be active so that our bodies don't hurt we do know. I don't know why there's so many diets out there. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Um, But yet, you know, I don't do it and I don't subscribe to it. And I'm very aware that I need to. Um, You have to sit with the things that you're choosing not to um, prioritize and ask yourself why. I think it's because we're just so used to blaming someone else or that that power lies externally, that it's someone else's job to help us get there. And we've, we've have forgotten that sovereignty of understanding that we are actually the only ones that can do the work. Absolutely. We are the only ones. And even when our circumstances don't make it easy for us to do the work, like, you know, some people, maybe they're carrying around a mother wound and their mother passes away. Mm. And they might get stuck on like, well, my mom passed away. They might get stuck on that pain or they might get stuck on the things they didn't get to say. And then, and then they don't work through it. And then they don't evolve from that mother wound Um, or like daddy issues. Like 
so many of us carry these daddy issues. Um, I was recently kind of um, learning and I was speaking to someone and, and they were like, so many women have struggled through labor and through becoming a mother because some of the things that are coming up are a lot of family trauma, a lot of sexual trauma, um, and just and people aren't talking about the fact that those things are re-triggered in motherhood. And you and I might call it like an awakening um, through motherhood and all that, but the reality is that awakenings also just come from really difficult times, and they come from from an explosion of wounds. So we yes. all carry this wound with us. And when the wound gets stabbed, <laughs> um, the last thing we want to do is sit with it and, um, you know, show it to the world and wear it like a badge of honor. No, we want to like put a bandaid on it yes. and hope it heals and like not touch it. But you got to like touch it like unpack it, re, you know, reset it up in a new way, stitch it up really cool. Like you got to do it different, but we have to normalize that. So we have to start saying things like, oh yeah, I am part of the Me Too movement and this is my story. And so let's, let's scare the predators. So the predators stop being comfortable in doing shit like this. Maybe Mm. that's the answer, right? Like, um, because we keep thinking that we can solve all these problems like by ourselves in our little like homes and in our little towns. But the reality is like we have the internet and we need to show predators that like they do not own us and they don't have power. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we can start to alleviate some of these wounds in future generations as well. That would then help people elevate or enlighten faster. That's just one of my uh, crazy ideas. (laughs) Well, I love so much and it really was just like a light bulb moment that I hadn't thought about before. And you're so right that we calling it awake and an awakening is really a disservice to what it actually is. Because when we're awakened, it's because we're ripped open and raw to the point where <laughs> <And> it's ugly. <laughs> yes, it's so ugly. It's so uncomfortable. It is so painful. And it's just out in the open that that is what forces you to find light. That's what forces you to pick yourself back up and to find new ways because obviously the old ones weren't working very well or just a a new perspective where instead of being this open wound, you're figuring out where that power and that wisdom is to truly heal it once and for all. And by once and for all, I mean, like, just start, like, with the the top layer and then keep going. Because is there ever a once and for all? I'm not sure. Right. Well, exactly. And I think that it's hard to answer that because, I mean, we might, you know, one of the things I noticed when I bring up, like, things I'm upset about with um, with my parents is, like, they'll be like, you're so ungrateful. It's, like, the first thing people go to. Mm. When, when you speak up against like something you're not happy about, like, how dare you like be so frivolous? Like how could you be so ungrateful? Like, look at everything you have. Like there's people in the world who don't even have a glass of water a day available to them. Right. And we go to these extremes and we're taught, like that's teaching us, like what you get is enough. 
Mm. Like this is enough. And you're taught that from such a young age. And my friend Kat, um, she was doing this beautiful thing where she was painting and she was recording herself painting and she was talking to herself and she actually realized like it was her own little art therapy session for herself out of nowhere. Uh, and because she recorded it, she was able to sit back and watch it. And, um, what came up for her it, it, during that session it sticks with me so well because when we become parents, sometimes we forget how we felt when we were kids, as much as we don't want to repeat our parents' stories, like they're almost innately within us and we have to work so hard to change those patterns. But you're taught like, no, you know, this is what you're eating. This is enough. Um, you know, th that's enough TV. Like it is what it is. Or, um, um, you're so ungrateful. Like you're lucky you even have these sneakers. Like these are the sneakers you're going to wear. And you're literally taught like what people tell you and what people give you is enough. What you feel is enough isn't enough. It's what people tell you. Mm. When you get into a relationship and the guy or the girl doesn't give enough and you're like, it's okay. They're giving their, their all. Yeah. And their all becomes enough and not your standard. Yeah. And I was like, I'm blown. <laughs> Wow. It's so true. It's so true. We all think like, what is enough? Like what your standards are like is enough and that's okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, so many of us carry that wound of not being enough that manifests in different ways. And we don't even realize like where that belief first started. Mm hmm and that's what I sit with. I sit with all the things that come up lately. And I'm like, where did I learn this from? And how can I bury it so that I may move on from it? Um, but I sit with it and I really try to find it, you know? Um, it's a lot of work. And I love that you touched on the fact that awakening is a disservice because it's not beautiful and it's very messy. And I have many bad days. And I try to be a, like a balanced person and put out the good and the bad days. As you know, we both are like that. Um, but yeah, I think like at the end of the day, if you're, if anyone's listening and they're like, I'm still not subscribed to the spirituality stuff. I'll just tell you this: like when things go bad, you're either going to like go to your faith, whatever faith is, or you're going to go to a substance or you're going to numb it. Mm -hmm. So consider us like an alternative to numbing it, an alternative to alcohol and drugs <laughs> or food or whatever it is you use to deal, you know? Yeah. It's really what this is to me. It's like a coping mechanism. It is. And it's a, and a, a way to expand your heart, I think, mm -hmm. is the way that I've been looking at it because I've been using this metaphor of like, your heart as being a house of a hoarder. <laughs> and when we have all these boxes <laughs> piled up, and we got this shit from like decades old stuff all the way to the bottom. There's no room for anything else. There's no room for love, self-love, for wisdom, for intuition. There is no room for anything when the shit is packed to the ceiling. So <laughs> part of it is coping. And then when we're not using it to cope with present circumstances, how can we begin to start to clear some of that stuff out? The residual. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, it's not easy. Yeah. It's a lot of work. 
Yeah, and and as you go through it, like I don't know why, but lately I've been like, oh man, like I've gotten through so much of it, and I feel like I don't want to forget because you start to meet people in this new life, this new version of you. Mm -hmm. And then they make all these assumptions about who you are and what you've been through. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, wait, 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 wait. I have all this stuff too. You just don't know. And there's like, when I was on the other side of a lot of my trauma, um, I used to not want people to know about my traumas because um, I didn't want them to pity me. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was like, you know, she grew up from a divorced family and all these things and a broken home, whatever. Um, and so now that I have my own family and a house and a job and all these things, people make assumptions about how easy my life should have, could have, how easy my life probably was for me to get to where I am. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, where are you getting this from? Uh-uh. <laughs> like, I worked really hard to get here. And now I'm, like, adamant to kind of tell my story. Um, and so I, I wonder if you feel that when people meet you today, that they can't possibly imagine, like, the Lena that was so broken from back in the day, you know? Yeah. It, it You know, I, and I haven't really thought about it that way, but I assume that that's most likely true. But I think at least the people who are in my life right now who I connect with on a daily basis have seen the struggle and the uphill battle and have seen me literally go through it in the darkness. And there's but I don't know if you feel this way, that there's people who know the version of you who may not necessarily have been upfront about traumas or the the more evolved version of you and then they see this new version and they assume that this new version is an act that's usually what mine is is kind of the opposite I'm like no I'm I'm just being me I'm just being a better more evolved more conscious more loving version of me I'm not trying to be anyone that's where it gets culty right like that's where um, I was accused yesterday of well, you've never acted like that before. And I was like, okay. And they're like, well, you must be acting like that because this, this, this. And I was like, actually what I'm doing is I'm creating a boundary. Um, And yeah, I haven't acted like this in the past. It's not out of character. It's the new character that I am. And people don't know how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. They just see you as the person you are forever, especially when you're dealing with people who saw you grow up. Yes. Because then you're still like whatever little girl they think you are. Mm-hmm. You're not to them like the adult that you present yourself as. And I'm actually fascinated with that because I look at people and I'm like, I wonder how you see me now that I'm in my 30s. I always wonder that. I always wonder that. <laughs> I don't see myself as any different. I still feel like I'm like little 18-year-old Marilee. <laughs> and I look at people and they look at me like I'm an adult. And I'm like, you think I'm an adult? <laughs> like, that's hilarious to me. I just have a lot of responsibilities, <laughs> but I feel the same. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm like still that 16 year old girl who can't buy wine, and I still like my heart pounds every time yeah. I go to buy a bottle of wine. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna find me out. They're gonna figure out that I'm a fraud, and that's how I feel in so many of like things I do. So crazy, and um, but the thing is, like, but we are a different generation, right? Because sometimes I think that stems from like 
oh, you know, my parents just weren't like this when they were in their 40s or 30s. Like they just weren't. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, because Internet has changed us. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, all these like TikTok moms, like they're hilarious. I mean, I don't see myself like being able to do it and keep up with it. But, you know, our parents weren't on TikTok. Right. So it's like there is a different we are a different kind of parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the generation next after us is also has the ability to be a different kind of parent, especially if we get to be as many of us get to be woke parents as we can, mm-hmm. as much as we can try to be. Yeah. It's always about evolving. And I, I'm always so fascinated by how now we have access, like everything that you could ever want to learn, you have access to. And a lot of this stuff in the old olden days our ancestors died for having some of this knowledge and it's just fascinating that now you can access meditation you can access hypnosis you can access stars star seeds and information about the galactic federation and light language like you have access to all of this information and now it's just widespread about around the globe and i think it fascinates me that that's so much about why we're having this huge consciousness shift right now is because we all have access. We have these tools in our back pocket and so many of us are using them without really thinking kind of how profound it is that we have just, we can dab in, dab in, dive in, dive. I don't dab. Mm -hmm. We can dive (laughs) in whenever we want without thinking twice about it. Yeah. Oh, we could talk forever. I, know. <laughs> I love this conversation. So, I mean, we are, even the fact that like how we ended up connecting and finding, like I have in the last year just found and connected to so many amazing women that it's, it's all like a confirmation, even in its own. I completely agree. It's it's amazing once you start to show up as a more present, vulnerable, stronger version of you that leads with light in your heart, just who you attract into your life and just the synchronicities in itself are beautiful and go beyond anything that like I could have ever imagined. I didn't, when I first started doing this, I mean, that's what I was really in search of. And I didn't imagine that I would have found it in this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beautiful. As I get all sappy, might you, <laughs> I think we should end on just wise words for anyone listening who needs that encouragement to really step into their power and make that next action after the chains are off. And we realize that we have access to, to this wisdom and this ability to tune into our own heart and our own wisdom, whatever that looks like in the first layer of unpacking that. What is your advice for, for that first step? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to the kind of young person I used to be in case someone can resonate with that. Um, And that is someone who was full of a lot of anger. And I have been um, meditating and and picking out little areas of women who run with the wolves Mm. um, because I'm not good at sitting down with big books and reading them from beginning to end. Um, 
And I'm going to reference this one sentence that really speaks to my heart. Um, It's on page 394, and it says, The work on rage cannot be completed without the ritual of forgiveness. Mm. So my wise words are really just going to be around that anger you feel. It's warranted. It's we we are allowed to have righteous anger and rightful rage. And anyone who tells you you have to be a nice little girl and that you have to be grateful and that your anger doesn't have a place in your pretty face, don't listen to them. <laughs> Find out why your core is freaking angry and then find the proper way that your heart wants to release that pain and find the proper way to forgive, whether it's yourself, the the situations, the circumstances, people um, inflicting the pain that caused the rage and the anger. But listen to your body and listen to your anger. 